you. I'm going to read three verses kind of quickly and together here, uh, starting Genesis 18, verse 14, and then we're going to read a couple of more to uh, emphasize uh, a message. I I believe it's just for, for several people here today that you need to know that God is the God of the impossible. I just, I just believe that, uh, that the Lord wants you to hear that. Uh, Deidre, who was our worship leader this morning, uh, did you notice the theme throughout the whole worship set there that, uh, that you know, God is the God of the impossible. He's the God of strength. He's faithful. He'll never fail. And all of those songs that we sang just again and again, we did not collaborate on that. She chose those as those uh, songs as uh, she was led, and uh, I, I had two messages that I was considering for this Sunday, and, and this is one I chose, and it's that very theme today, that God is the God of the impossible. So Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14, the, the context for this is Abraham, the father of faith, and uh, he and his wife, he's 100 years old, 9,900 years old, and his wife Sarah is about 90 years old, and they are sitting out in the Negev desert, there in the land of Israel, the land of promise, and they're visited by three angelic persons. And uh, while they're in uh, together, uh, they prophesy to Abraham, and they tell Abraham that a year from now, you will be holding a son. Now, uh, that was kind of incredulous, you know, Abraham thinking, I'm 100 years old, folks, here, and my wife is 90, and how are we going to have children? And uh, the answer to that, Genesis 18:14, is this, it's, it's a question, is anything too hard for the Lord? Whatever situation you may be facing, Whatever impossible circumstance, whatever thing that is broken that just defies being fixed or healed or restored, read that verse and let it speak to you. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The rhetorical answer to that is, of course not. No, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. Again, another circumstance of miraculous birth Uh, is the context for this, and the angel is talking to the Virgin Mary and prophesying to her that she will be with child and she will bear a son whose name will be called Jesus. And naturally she says, well, I'm a virgin. How will I, I've never known a man, how, how can I give birth to a son? And the answer from the angel is this, for with God... Nothing will be impossible. Let that speak to your heart today. With God, nothing will be impossible. Luke 18, verse 27. Jesus speaking this to his disciples and to us today. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Again, let those verses speak to your heart. I'm going to read them three in rapid fashion here. Is anything too hard for the Lord? For with God, nothing will be impossible. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. 
From Old Testament to New Testament, this reminder is sprinkled throughout Scripture. And at the birth of Isaac, the birth of Christ, reminding us that all of us can follow after God, even through difficult situations. You know, there are many times in life when we feel like we're in an impossible situation. They can be varied in many. And when we face something that seems impossible, like this will never change, and you know, nothing will ever change the circumstance or bring this back or, or cause this to be resolved, we have to remember that God is the God of the impossible. You know, we don't like not being in control. Okay, we, we're, we're comfortable with control, right? Because when we're out of control, we often experience a lot of fear. I hope that nobody was out of control driving to church today on the snow and ice, right? We've all experienced being out of control <laughs> driving our cars. We cling to control, and when we don't feel control, when we feel like we, we're not able to to uh, control our circumstances or what's happening to us, fear and, and despair can set in. But I want to remind us today that we, are, we, we serve the God who is the God of the impossible. We, are, we serve the God just because it may be out of control to us. It is not out of control to him. And we, we've got to believe that. Many times where we may feel we're in an impossible situation, you know, many couples have, like Abraham and Sarah, have been frustrated in their desire to have children. A broken relationship that doesn't seem to heal, no matter how hard you pray or, or believe, uh, can feel impossible. Life can quickly careen out of control. You know, the, the thin veneer of control versus out of control is, uh, is a very fine line indeed. I mean, it, it, you know, one moment, one, you know, we can be feeling just fine about life, fine about things, and one phone call can change that, or one circumstance can change that. And all of a sudden, our lives are out of our ability to change the circumstances of. It is difficult to trust God in situations like that. Maybe a marriage or maybe your family in some way feels like it is on the brink of, of breaking. or Maybe your finances, you feel like you're on the, uh, the brink of bank bankruptcy. Or, or maybe you know, there's a chronic illness that has come to define every area of your life. And, and the idea of living free from all of that thought feels impossible. But I just want to speak today in faith. That no matter how impossible, and, and I tell you what, you know, you, you bring the evidence, you bring the facts, and yeah, we can say, yeah, that's impossible. That nothing's going to change that. And in our own estimation, our own power, our own abilities, yeah, we face impossible things. But God is the God of the impossible. And when we are feeling hopeless, when we are feeling helpless and afraid, remember this. What, what the angel spoke to Mary, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Believe that. Believe that. In the last couple of Sundays, we have been talking about what the keys 
are that unlock the kingdom of heaven. You know, what, what is the, the kingdom of heaven? When, when uh, Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. What is that all about? What is the kingdom of heaven all about? Well, living in the kingdom of heaven is uh, healing and wholeness. It is life. It is peace, it is contentment, it is joy, and much more. When we are living in the kingdom of heaven, God does the impossible for us. We can use the keys that he's given us. And remember, we talked about the, the master key on the ring that, that Jesus has given us to bind and to loose things here on earth that will be bound and loosed in heaven. And I believe the master key on that ring is our obedience to him. If you want God to do the miraculous and, and call upon him as the God of the impossible in my situation, live in obedience to him. It is contrary to, to uh, the actions of God to live in willful disobedience to him and for him to perform those kinds of miracles in your life is that when we get in alignment with the will of God and, and uh, through his word and through him, uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit working in us and speaking to us, is that we live in obedience and we can expect the impossible to become possible when we come into that alignment with the word of God. And if we are out of alignment, we cannot expect that. So get in alignment with the word of God and it will insert the right key to unlock the kingdom of heaven for you. Remember, the, the kingdom of heaven is life, healing, wholeness, peace, contentment, joy, and much more. But it comes at the price of obedience to the Lord. So uh, remember that, hang on to that, and, and come into conformity with God's will. You say, well, what is God's will for me? The word of God, whatever the word of God declares is God's will for us. And, and as we live by that, we can, we can call on the God of the impossible. So two things I want you to remember today. The first one is, is this, is that the situation may be out of your control, but it is not out of God's control, okay? God has never faced a situation where he goes, whoa, I'm out of control, okay? He is always in control, and we may be out of control, but that does not mean he is out of control. Uh, the place where our inability, where it intersects with God, puts us right where he wants us to be all of the time. We need to recognize that our ability to influence and to be in control is small indeed. It's, it's a thin line. We can start out the morning feeling just fine, and, and uh, by evening, our world can be shattered. There's just not a lot of distance between those two things. But with God, he is never out of control. So where our inability and where our lack of ability to control intersects with God's power, puts us right where he wants us to be. The Apostle Paul said it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves. That just, I'm going to put a pause right there for a moment. 
How sufficient of ourselves do you think that we are? We can fool ourselves sometimes. Sometimes we can talk ourselves into thinking, you know, I've got you know, enough money, I've got enough stuff, I've got you know, everything I need, I feel pretty sufficient. But that can change in a moment's time, as we've already talked about. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but here's the key. Our sufficiency is from God. We are able to live and move and have our being because of Him. Acts 17 verse 28 says that very thing. It says, for in Him we live and move and have our being. We sing that chorus often. It's, it's your breath in our lungs. Right? We sing that. Why? Because it is. It's his, if you will, air that we breathe. <laughs> Our sufficiency is not of ourselves. Our sufficiency comes from God. And uh, sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we think that we are in charge of all these things. And when we deeply understand that we cannot even live without God, God is the one who gives us the ability to live and move and have our being. Our very breath comes from him. Our strength, our health, life itself comes from God. When we realize how powerless we really are, it leaves us to put our lives entirely in his hands. And those are good hands. He promises that he will never leave us, nor, what's the word? Forsake us. He will keep us. He is for you. He wants you to succeed and to live and to prosper. He is that kind of God. I like this verse that comes out of Isaiah. Uh, but you have to read not only what it says, but you have to read what it's not saying as well. Isaiah 43 and verse 2 says, when you pass through the waters. Now, we, we read that, when you pass through the waters, but what is it not saying that is being said there? It means that you will pass through the waters, right? Because it's not if, it's when. <laughs> when you pass through the waters. It's not like maybe, it's not like it could happen, it's when. What's the promise attached to that? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, again, not that there will be no fires, but when you walk through the fires, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. What a, what, a, what a powerful verse for us to remember. You know, it's important for us to understand that, you know, as Christians and believers, we are not exempt from floods and fires, okay? Um, I wish it was so. In fact, there's been many a time I've been indignant with God because my situation made me uncomfortable. And I've said, God, what is this? I don't understand. I have been living as obedient as I know how. I have done this and I've done this. And we read all of our credentials and all of our reasons why God should make our lives nice and pretty and sweet and we shouldn't have to face difficulty. Aren't you glad God is patient? <laughs> Aren't you glad that God just doesn't say, you know what, I, I'm 
tired of that. Boink, you know, and just put an end to us. But sometimes we are a little upset with God because our life is a flood or it is a fire. And we'd like it to change. But when you are feeling overwhelmed, when you are feeling hopeless, when life feels like it is out of control, remember this, is that faith trumps feeling. Because isn't that what we say? You know, we, somebody may talk to us and say, well, hey, what, will you look upset? What's going on? Oh, I feel so overwhelmed. There's a key in that, in that understanding. We feel it. Doesn't mean that it's a fact. <laughs> Doesn't mean that God is feeling overwhelmed. Just we are. That's our, that's our feelings. Um, some perspective here. How many, how many love it when God works a miracle in your life? Have you ever experienced that? We love miracles. Love miracles. Maybe you've been healed in your body because God did a miracle. Or maybe God provided finances for you in a miraculous way. We love miracles. But you have to understand something about a miracle. You can't have a miracle where there is no problem. Is that true? Yeah, it's, it's the problem that drives the miracle. It's not like our lives can be flawless and without problems and without you know, difficulties. And there's, there's no need for a miracle because there's no problem. It's when we face problems in life that we can call upon God for miracles. And so we have to understand that the problem is, is the setup for the miracle. The God of the impossible, to do the impossible, what's, a, what's impossible with men is possible with God, but we experience the problem first. And sometimes we don't understand that part. It's important to know that living in faith, what, is, what does Scripture tell us? Is that we walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes we walk a lot by sight. You, you, we, we see the example in Scripture where, where Peter sees Jesus walking out to them on the, on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of the storm. And, uh, and, there's, and there's two things that happen there. As Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, act, you know, tell me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. And so in faith, Peter gets out and he's walking on the water. And then what happens? He looked at the wind and the waves, so he walked by faith and then by sight. <laughs> and what happened when he started walking by sight? He began to sink and cry out, Lord, save me. A lot of times we follow suit. But faith always overcomes feelings. Feelings are not necessarily true. We may be feeling them, and they may feel real to us, but that is not the case uh, all the time. When we believe God, and God has told us that we will pass through the waters, and they will not overwhelm us, or we will walk through the fire, and it will not burn us, that is what God said. And we can believe him. You can you can uh, experience difficulty and trouble and problems in your life, 
But that is only the setup for what God can do in performing a miracle for us. You know, we have a choice in who you will believe. You, you, uh, will you believe God who is telling you that, hey, I can handle it. If you will not abandon me, I will walk you through this. I can save you. Or do we choose to believe those who tell us that, that we will fail and that we aren't going to make it? It's our choice. You know, just in, in terms of pure logic, um, always, always default to the voice of the Lord who says, you will make it. <laughs> why? Because you can always fail. That's always an option. <laughs> but why not just believe God that you're going to make it instead and, uh, and let it bolster your faith? So remember and believe this, is that God is in control. Even when it doesn't look like he's in control, he's in control. So, number one, remember, just because it feels out of control to us does not mean that it's out of control for God. Number two, believing God in spite of the current evidence is what faith is all about. Romans chapter 4 and verse 3, Paul is writing the Roman believers here, and he says, what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. What's the circumstances of this? We've, we've already covered it uh, when we read out of Genesis 18. That God spoke to Abraham, spoke to him that he would have a child, even at the advanced stage he was in. Abraham believed God when he called him out of his tent in the wilderness and had him look into the sky and see the number of stars that were uncountable for multitude and said, so shall your descendants be. Abraham believed God. And God counted it righteousness for him. You know, when we talk to God, and God is faithful to talk to us back, and, and often he will answer questions that we, that we ask of him and, and make promises in response to those times that we inquire of him. You know, all we have to do is continue to believe whatever God has spoken because God has never and will never go back on his word. Another lesson we can learn from the life of Abraham is that God told then 75-year-old Abraham to leave everything that he knew and go to a land he had never seen. You can find that in Genesis chapter 12 if you're taking notes. And that is where God told Abraham that he would one day father, be father to a whole nation, even though he and his wife had no children and were quite old by then. Romans 4, 17 says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God can create things that, that uh, you and I don't see, we don't know anything about, but he can make reality Call those things into existence that don't exist. That's the way the Bible opens, by the way. If you open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, maybe one of the few verses you've memorized, but what does it say? In the beginning, God what? 
God created the heavens and the earth. He created all that is out of nothing. He gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And, and this verse gives the definition of a miracle. When God gives life to something that was dead or when he creates something out of nothing. And maybe that's your situation that you need today. Maybe uh, a dead marriage or a dead career or dead dreams or dead finances. It's not too hard for God. God is the God of the impossible. And we will go through difficulty. We will experience loss at times. We will experience things that will try us. But God will be with us. Sometimes we don't realize that our problem or our difficulty is only the middle part of the story. What do I, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, if you've ever read the book of Job, how many survived the book of Job? I'm just curious, okay. So you read the, the story, and in the opening chapters of the book of Job, it kind of summarizes, says Job was the most prosperous, blessed man in the entire land of Nod in which he lived. And that he was more prosperous and had a large family and uh, many children, uh, much livestock, and, and life was good for Job, and he lived a righteous life. And <clears throat> in fact, that prompted a, a little discussion between uh, God and Satan. Have you seen my servant Job? And he says, well, he serves you because you protect him. I can't touch him. You know the story. And so God opened an avenue for Satan to affect Job's life, and in one day... Job loses all of his family, except for one crabby wife, okay? He loses all of his health, sitting on the ash heap, covered in boils, and that's where the crabby wife comes in, right? Job, why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, thanks for the encouragement, appreciate it. Everything is taken from Job, his prestige, his honor, and uh, there he sits. Well, it's easy to prove that the story doesn't end there. It's not like Job lived this happy life and then lost everything, the end. But sometimes isn't that the way that we feel? You know, our life is going relatively well, then all of a sudden it's out of control, and we feel like this is it, this is the end. I'm going to fail. I'm going to end up in a burning pile over here. But it's not the end of the story. Job lives through that experience. And the end, God restores Job. Um, Job chapter 42 and verse 12. It says this, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. There were days where it was difficult, where those closest to Job said, why don't you just curse God and die? That's great advice, yeah. He could have given into that. Well, what was Job's response? He says, 
Though he slay me, speaking of God, though he slay me, I will trust in him. I don't understand this situation. I poured out my complaint to the Lord and nothing is changing. But though he slay me, I will trust in him. And whenever the purposes of God were fulfilled for Job, then he brought Job out of that and his end was greater than his beginning. We have to remember that our troubles, our difficulties are only the middle part of the story. That God has something better for us at the end of the story. And we're going to go through floods and rivers and fire, but they'll not overwhelm us. They'll not burn us. They'll not be our end. That God has a miracle waiting on the other end of our difficulty and our trouble. Jesus and his disciples were out ministering to the multitudes, and the disciples found a man who had an older son who was still with him because uh, what may be appeared just in the description from the scripture may have been something of an epileptic nature. And at times, the man attributed, the father attributed to a demon who was in his son, and and at times it would throw him into the fire, into the water, and nearly taking his life and rescuing him, and, and it was unpredictable. And, and he came to the disciples, and they could not cast this demon out. They couldn't effect a healing for this uh, son. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and he asks, how long has this happened since he was a child? These many years that this thing has tormented him. And Jesus said this to the man. He says, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. I don't know what your situation is, and maybe, maybe that's good. Maybe I say, whoa, that is impossible, sorry. <laughs> but God will never tell you that. What did the, the man respond to Jesus? He says, to him who believes, all things are possible to him who believes. And the man responded, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Do you ever feel that way? It's like, I know here what, what the Bible says, but I'm having trouble here believing it. You ever feel that way? God knows it. God knows it. I think it's just an incredible admission. Lord, I'm having difficulty. I'm having trouble. I believe you. But help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. I think we all possess some of that. And, and it doesn't offend God. It doesn't make him say, oh, unless you're 100% on board, you know, sorry. No, he's there. And he spoke, cast the demons out of the son, and was restored to his father, and he was healed from that day forward. I think it's important that, that we have to realize, you know, full belief at times maybe beyond us, or even our ability to understand what that is all about. 
But going back to Abraham, it's important to understand who Abraham believed in. He didn't believe in himself. He didn't believe in his feelings. He didn't put his faith in faith either. Romans 4.17 says that Abraham believed God. I think that's, that's where you and I are sometimes. And sometimes, you know, we face long-term situations. Sometimes we face, you know, things that, that we are more than familiar with. And we can't affect any change to whatever we've done, whatever we've said, whatever we've spent. And nothing has seemed to change. But I say in the face of that, believe God. Believe God for your situation. Nothing else. You know, I believe in positive thinking. I, I believe in being positive about life. But, but you know, positive thinking and faith are, are not equal. They're not the same. Positive thinking, you know, is great when, you know, we feel in control and we feel like we've got influence and, you know, we can do these things and we can believe for that. But faith believes when we don't believe things are going to turn out well. In spite of our doubts, we still believe. And instead of just having happy thoughts, we place our faith in God for an out-of-control situation because what is impossible with man is possible with God. I'm going to ask our worship team to come and be ready to close our service um, next few minutes but i want you if you and i you know anytime a a group of people will assemble there's going to be somebody who identifies with this and if you have an impossible situation maybe something that we've mentioned health finances marriage family whatever um already or maybe we've not mentioned it doesn't matter the end But you need a miracle in your situation. You need the impossible to change. We're going to ask our prayer team if they'll come and just be ready here at the front and ask you to stand. Would you stand with us? And as we close with this final course and I just want you to have an opportunity to pray with someone about your impossible situation. You don't have to say what it is. You just say, I have an impossible situation and I, and I choose to believe God and just will agree with you on that. And we'll just see if God doesn't change your situation. May not be how you expect it, may be on a different time frame, but we believe God today. Heavenly Fathers, we turn to you today, Lord. I just pray for every person today who lives in the shadow of an impossible situation. Lord, it doesn't just seem to be any good answer for it. Lord, I pray this, is that you would help us to believe, because, Lord, to them who believe, all things are possible. Lord, we pray that today. We pray that over every situation. 
no matter how many times we prayed for it in the past, no matter how many times we sought you for it, Lord, we will believe. We'll believe for your answer today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.